Shouldn't you be at work? It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Bohinen! Still, it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. Yeah, could do with a bit of magic from him. Maybe this is it. It is! Andy Sinton from nothing. No power on it whatsoever, but Saibi has made a horrendous error. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Only has it. No. Hello and welcome back to Quickly Kevin Will He Score? I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And a man who sat across me wearing 10 Hans Sager's ties. It's Michael Mark. <laughs> Hello. I'd love to get hold of a, of a Sagers. Yeah, I'd love... Yeah. Would you call them a Sagers? A Sagers, Not yeah. hands. No, I wouldn't call it... <laughs> hands ties. Um, so, thank you for all the lovely correspondence by the end of the Steve Barnes trilogy. It's a, it was a sad day. Sad day for us But all. there's a lot more to come this series. And we're plugging the gap with the fan fiction. Get onto iTunes, leave a review in the style of Steve Bruce's murder mystery novels. And we can keep, keep the dream alive to an yeah. extent. Maybe we'll just botch them all together and release it as a book. <laughs> this week we have Dara Breen talking about what it was like to support Ireland in the greatest period in their history, the 90s. Oh, the greatest period in history, but particularly if you're Irish. But before that, we've got a lot of correspondence to get through. You've got mail. So, some correspondence. Michael... We've had a bit of a few complaints about you. We will be coming to that. <laughs> what? Do you want that first? Oh, I will have it first. This is one of many emails. Hi, guys. Absolutely loving the podcast. Bit late to the party, but it means I can get through hours of content at work without waiting. However, the squad numbers section had me so angry, I had to pull over the van and make notes. <laughs> Grow From up, Dan man. Oswin. Grow up, Dan. No, if you've read the email inbox, you would know that Dan is not alone. <laughs> Now, safely at work, I've taken an early break to send this email. I can't remember who voiced their simply terrible in capital letters views on squad number allocation, but they should be ashamed. <laughs> New paragraph, ashamed. New paragraph. Squad numbers are allocators as follows. One, keeper. Two, right back. Three, left back. Four, Centre mid. No. I can't believe no one picked me up on having four as a centre back. No. Five, centre back, usually the lunatic. Six, centre back, usually the better player. Seven, <laughs> right sided midfielder. Eight, central midfielder, more attack minded. Nine, striker. Ten, forward. Eleven, left sided midfielder. All squad numbers above are generally okay, but I like to keep the following loosish rules. Goalkeepers wear 13, or traditionally 16. I noticed a lot of African national teams have 16 as their reserve goalie. And I thought it had a tie to Bartes, but turns out it's because they have the last number if you were to be given a bench of five players. Youth players were a number above 30. If they're a striker, I like them to wear 39, stroke 49, so they can get used to having nine on their back. <laughs> yeah, like that logic. <laughs> Youth team players also have their shirts tucked and black boots. They have to earn coloured boots. <laughs> and after their first season, they've been good enough, they can drop to a squad number in the 20s. <laughs> Squad numbers stop at 59, above 50 is debatable, 60 and above is pathetic. This isn't basketball. Obviously, most of these rules apply to FIFA. That is from Dan Oswin. Michael, would you like to make a public... Uh, can I just say, I totally agree with that email to yeah. a large extent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, no, I'm, I'm not going to apologise because, A, I'm willing to die on this hill. B, I think it's an archaic system that the defensive midfielder plays with number four. Because you want your numbers to run across the back four, two, three, four, five. And then your backup players in those positions, your right back wears 12, your left back wears 13. The only person in the modern world, in the media, who is dying upon a more absurd hill than you is Graham Linehan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you my thoughts. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is Nick Briggs. Uh, my dad recently moved house and came across a treasure trove of 90s copies of Shoot and Match. Had a flick through and have attached some highlights. 1st of May, 1993, revealed the new Gaza and the new Barnes. Can you guess who they named the new Gaza, Ian Wright and Barnes? What, what was the date, sorry? 93? 93. Feature two, what's in Julian Dix's fridge? <laughs> 
Three to three, David Howells, music likes and dislikes. Oh, Ab- this is great. Absolute treasure trove. Which of those do you want to do first? Do you want to do the uh, Gazza Barnes thing? Yeah. Okay. Do you want the new Ian Wright? Are we guessing? I'll tell you. It's all building up to the Gazza. New Ian Wright, Trevor Sinclair. Okay, yeah. New John Barnes, Julian Joachim. Yeah. The new Paul Gascoigne. Step forward, Lee Makel. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, who? Makel. <laughs> Who's Lee Makel? I don't know. Just says the new Gazza, Lee Makel from Blackburn. So there you go. Do you want what is in Julian Dix's fridge? Can I guess? Uh, milk. Ding. Michael's go. Beer. Incorrect. Potatoes, tomatoes, lettuce, cheese, fresh fruit, yoghurt, <laughs> minced meat, prawn cocktail, orange juice for Steve Barnes if he comes around. <laughs> These are the two. French bread and sliced bread. In the fridge. In the fridge. Uh, in the also, fridge, pota- Dixie. Potatoes, potatoes in the fridge. Potatoes in the fridge. Is he just throwing everything in the fridge? His A French bread rice. and his sliced bread in the fridge. <laughs> that's insane. Bizarre. But that's not, for me, the highlight. The highlight is David Howells. Do you remember David Howells? Yeah. Played for Spurs in midfield? Yeah. yeah. Do you want his top ten albums? The chart music, oh, David, simply could not live without. Number one, stars, simply red. Oh comes up so often in these things. Number two, but seriously, Phil Collins. Okay. <laughs> Great so far. Number three, Real Love, Lisa Stansfield. Okay. Number four, Making Movies, Die Straits. Number five, Divine Madness, Madness. Number f- six, Affection, Lisa Stansfield. Number seven, From Time to Time, Paul Young. Number eight, Hardcore Ecstasy, Various. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, careful, yeah. Number nine, Compact Snap the Jam. Number ten, The Man in His Music, Sam Cooke. Number eight's a real curveball, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) David's five bands he hates the most. I'm going to tell you now, after the second one, I was worried by where it was going. Okay. Number one, Erasure. (laughs) Number two, two, Right Said Fred. (laughs) Yeah. Three, Jimmy Somerville. (laughs) Thankfully. Number three, Nirvana. Number four, all folk music. <laughs> Number five, all country music. <laughs> oh, Some dear. absolute wonderful stuff in there. Um, last week we talked about Steve Barnes. Uh, this is from David Hemming. Upon starting a new save of Championship Manager 97, 98 and browsing the Birmingham City squad, I of course found the legendary Steve Bruce. However, I stumbled across a remarkable player I purely thought was fictional. Please see the below picture. Whoa. There was a player who played alongside Steve Bruce a year before the books came out, who was called Steve Barnes. Wow. Whoa. Do you want to just describe what you're seeing there? Okay, so we've got a, a screenshot from uh, Championship Manager 97-98. We're on the playing skills of Steve Barnes, who plays for Birmingham, attacking midfielder left. Let's pull out some of his big stats. It's actually quite a good player. All right, all right for a championship player. I've never really heard of him. Determination, 20. Dribbling, 18. Crime solving, 20. <laughs> Physical condition, 71%. Morale, good. So do you think this is the inspiration behind Steve Barnes? Well, I think Steve Barnes is obviously based on Steve Bruce, but I think even in coming up with a name that is similar to his own, he couldn't think of a name that wasn't a name he'd already heard. (laughs) Um, If you do remember Steve Barnes as a player, Steve Barnes as a player is listening and ever spoke to Steve Bruce about this, this is how you get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. And now we have for four series always said to each other, we need to talk about that island team of the 90s. Who better to talk about it than probably the greatest comic gift Ireland has ever given England? It is Daro Brain. Onto a cup's hope. And hope with a shot. And it's 
Our guest this week is a giant of British comedy, stand-up comedian, presenter, Arsenal fan, and according to the Irish Independent newspaper, Terry Wogan's heir apparent as Britain's favourite Irishman. It's our pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin, Dara O'Brien. You're very kind, but obviously Ed Norton. Uh, course, <laughs> uh, every, time, every time the quote is made, it's like, I go, oh, sure, yeah. we all realise that. That quote as well, yeah. heir apparent, given all the rumours about Wogan's hair. Oh, right, OK, yeah. I met yeah. him once, actually, and I was, was going to, like, I was doing an inter- a public interview with him, and I said, I'm I was going to jokingly make some reference to it and his missus or somebody says no he's very sensitive and I said and I'm pointing at my own head going you can't be sensitive to me and I honestly felt like this is a campaign I could, in which I could out people in which I could go no you can't do you can't you're actually you're putting bald men back in the closet uh, by, by, by your actions by denying this um, right we ask a few questions to all our guests. To start okay, with. cool. Have you ever met a '90s footballer? Uh, yes, I have. I'm trying to think. It was specifically '90s. Um, oh, any footballer? Oh, really. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, footballers of, of a generation of which I've, I tried to track down the Arsenal 1980 team um, one by one to meet them all. Did you? Yeah. Well, not not. It wasn't like a. <laughs> like a it was like I've, a Dave Gorman style. Yeah, yeah isn't it? Like the, but the uh, I, I, there was once I was coming out of. Um, I met Liam Brady a couple of times. The uh, because he works in RTE as well, yeah. and because Ireland is is is, is ten people wide. The uh, so <laughs> and once I was walking out of the Arsenal Stadium after after a match and. Uh, he ke- well, was behind me walking down the stairs, and I was with a couple of friends of mine. And he came up and he gave me a little punch in the ribs, like the uh, so, uh, are you going? Uh, and I said, Oh, hello, you know. And my two friends who were like, That's Liam Brady, what are you saying? <laughs> and I said, Oh, I should, I should have actually, I should have introduced you. Would you, would you have liked to have met? One of your greatest, yeah, yes, we'd have liked to have met Liam Brady. So, yeah, so I've met Brady, I've met um, David O'Leary, I've met various people from the Pat Jennings, yeah, yeah, you know, our our person that time, the uh, yeah, I have like when that's always a bit like the people who were there when I was eight and they were, yeah, there. do you get more overawed by them than? Anyone? Or yeah, I, I think there's still a, a touch of they, they, if they were heroes once they'll remain like the yeah. uh, Pat Rice I've met many times because he's in the, he's around Arsenal a lot. Yeah. So the uh, so I've met him loads of times. The uh, the uh, the Irish are always very informed with each other anyway. Yeah. So the, it's very easy to start a conversation. Do you like Beatle Drivers or whatever it was? Do you when you see another Irishman kind of acknowledge? Yeah, no, 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 no. There's, there's a, a, there's a running thing I have with my wife who's from Yorkshire. The uh, that when re- if you're away in a hotel resort somewhere in the world, right, and somebody walks past it with a British accent, she does not register. She doesn't even notice that that's happening. Whereas if I hear an Irish accent, I meerkat. I'm you know, <laughs> and there's just uh, and they have to do. We need closure. Oh, uh, and is that a glance? We just have to fill. The, yeah, yeah, we do. We we absolutely have to um, just acknowledge. There you are now. <laughs> Beetle drivers really were that niche. Is that what, niche? What, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, is that, that the boy? Is that the right yeah, reference? Yeah, was, well, barges, isn't it? Barges when you go on a low barge holiday, a little boating holiday, you well, wave at each other. That's yeah, right. If you're driving you're, a barge past somebody, <laughs> you're driving a barge past you, like, yeah, that's, you've got to acknowledge that because like, like, the parting takes like four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine not doing it. Imagine <laughs> <being> <laughs> on a, a longboat going no, no. I'm not even. <laughs> We have, we have, we have, we shared nothing, you and I, uh, as your as your longboat slowly passed at four knots. Uh, so clearly, you were there. But I think, yeah, yeah I th- there is an Irish. There's an informality we have, and a kind of a because we're a tiny, homogenous nation that we all yeah. sort of feel we know each other. Anyway. And is football the biggest sport in Ireland? Where does football rank? Oh, in I, sorry, that's always an interesting thing to grab. Uh, I, it's difficult to tell what's participation figures and all that kind of stuff. Football's taken a hit since the nineties. Yeah, because football really? was huge, 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 huge. Rugby is is bigger than it was rugby is, is a massive thing in Ireland but still probably only coming up to the point where um, rugby still played in very in, in a certain select number of schools so I think it's still not quite overtaken and then we've got the other two of course uh, probably the undisputed biggest one is Gaelic football yeah, the that, that's brutal no 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 that's Gaelic, Gaelic football is the one without Gaelic football is, is the one where you're allowed to catch the ball and kick the ball from the hand right. and that's yeah. the big 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 one and then hurling sort of fits I think in participation numbers above rugby below soccer and that's the one with the sticks that's they're right. brutal yeah, those two aren't they uh, they're, they're, they're tough alright they're tough games and there's no kind of uh, concession given they, they have that kind of rugby thing of you carry on playing somebody's injured in the pitch you carry on yeah. they, uh, you know there's blood substitutions all that kind of stuff like whatever yeah. and it's a fairly you don't pretend to be injured kind yeah. of philosophy to it like whatever but at the same time we need to get something like the guy who had his ankle snapped in 
in the uh, in the in a football match in the Premier League. Yes. Yeah. Or the rugby's you know hideous uh, concussion and stuff injuries yeah. and, and people but getting people getting paralyzed. None of that ever used to happen. It's just yeah, it's broken fingers and thumbs and stuff. Ah, the, it's kind of, yeah, it's just, I, I played hurling, the, which is the stick based one, and uh, I was a defender and I was mar- and you man to man mark and it was in a, it was in a Dublin schools final, Dublin under eighteen uh, A schools final, and the guy got away from me, caught the ball the first time, and you know I don't think a score came of it, like whatever. But the second time he was reaching up to catch it, and I went, I, I, I've got to do this, and I just pulled on his arm, uh, and so smacked him across the arm, knocked the ball over of it and uh, he may still be in my pocket uh, <laughs> I have to check my change yeah, this so yeah it is uh, you know you put your hand in there um, yeah. it's, it's, it's fair game did so. you play football much then as a kid I played I played up to about 14 at which point my school played Gaelic football and hurling so I shifted over uh, to Gaelic and hurling which means that I still I played at the end of uh, when you're a cloud of players running around the pitch and we oh, only yeah. just begin to get a sense of shape or like a, I, was, so I, I used to profit from that when I was about 10 or 11 I was in a football team I wasn't a great player but I worked out to be outside the swarm <laughs> So wow. I was kind of wow. yeah, that's what you're saying is you had a yard. You know, in the like Zavi yeah. or someone who's like, yeah. <laughs> like Devon's Iniesta. Yeah, Devon's Iniesta. But obviously then at a later date once shape once everyone got shape, I was gone. Yeah. Once I was gone. <laughs> but for a few years you were a visionary. Josh is playing a different game in his head than the rest of us. It's light years ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so I so I probably miss the education uh, on, on things, and also plus the fact this because I I'm in Ireland, so we don't get to see that much live soccer as I as we naturally call it. We don't see that much live of those. So you would see um, football highlights, and for a long time, for example, I didn't get why Roy Keane was supposed to be as good as he was because in highlights, Roy Keane, you don't see the work oh, Roy Keane does. Yeah. The, yeah, you see the see the goal scorers, you see all that kind of stuff. Happening, yeah. but you don't see the shit. It's a bit like where did Carlos Alberto come from? That time that Carlos Alberto was yeah. running. Up. Why is that guy? Pass- Passing to his left into an empty space, and all of a sudden Carlos Alberto comes in from the wing and yeah. dumps it into the corner. Obviously, in the stadium, and everyone else can see. No, this is what's happening. People are overlapping. So weirdly, it was only until much, much later when I get a season ticket at Arsenal was when I actually got to sit down and watch a lot of full size matches. And then it was like, oh right, okay, Grant. So there are holes still. <laughs> there are holes still in my knowledge. My tactical knowledge is quite poor. Yeah. yeah. And if you ask me. If you give me a, like a, a piece of paper and with the, with the markings of a pitch and said, draw the channels. Uh, <laughs> I would, um, I'd put two sort of parallel lines pointing broadly <laughs> towards the goal, come, maybe coming in, maybe across. I've, I've ne- yeah, I, I yeah. don't know that. Um, where did the Arsenal connection come from then? Is that Liam Brady? Is that- yeah, that generation of players. Uh, in the 1980 FA Cup final, there were seven Irish players, six in the field and one on the subs bench. Um, and uh, Irish and Northern Irish. The, uh, and so they were kind of, there is a big deal. And when we were running out to play football at school, um, at the age where you suddenly notice all this for the first time, the uh, people wanted to be Stapleton and Sunderland uh, and Stapleton in particular, Frank Stapleton, who I've not met, although Sun got in touch with me, uh, although I couldn't, um, I don't want to meet him because he left for Manchester United. Uh, <laughs> 666,000. So, so there was loads of Irish and so it was a very Irish team at the time. Right. Uh, so is there a lot of Irish Arsenal fans of your generation? Yeah, of, of exactly my age. Uh, yeah. There would be, and so it, weirdly that, that happens a lot. There's a lot of Liverpool fans, a lot of Manchester United fans um, in Ireland. There's a lot of Arsenal fans of a particular age. There's a lot of Aston Villa fans of a very specific age when yeah. it was McGrath, Staunton, um, uh, Townsend and one other I forgot who the one is uh, uh, from that that's me isn't it wow that's Frank really, Stapleton uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would be great if it was hi Liam yeah I'm uh, just I'm, I'm in the middle of something I can't um, no yeah <laughs> do you know, know the fourth know. Irishman that played for Aston Villa <laughs> Uh, I did Cascarino play. Might have been Cascarino then. Yeah. 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 The, uh, so it was. We'll, um, we'll dub it in off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally different voice. Yeah. Cascarino. Yeah. Uh, so, the, yeah. So, so, Ireland, uh, so people would, would, follow, would follow those, like whatever. And yeah. more recently, then, who, who I'm sure they're Everton fans because it's James Coleman. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. That's the way it kind of goes. And so let's go back to. Well, this is a 90s pocket. Let's start. Oh. 1986, the appointment of Jack Charlton. 
Okay. Um, yes. Did that feel like a thing? Yeah, it felt like a really wrong thing. It felt like it was. A, it felt they'd made a terrible mistake. The yeah. uh, because there was, I think it was Liam Tui was his name, who was the up and coming Irish manager. I think it was Tui, and he had looked after the junior team, and it felt like they were overlooking the Irish candidate to take. Uh, yeah. Well, for start taking an English person on. Yeah, uh, and it was hugely controversial. Had he got a track record as a manager? Uh, he'd done lots of northern clubs, I think. Yeah. Was, like whatever. He did really well at Middlesbrough to start with. Yeah. And then he sort of was a slight law of diminishing returns. So he wasn't at his peak when he got the, yeah. the island job. And I don't think it was a job that was going to attract. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'd had, I mean, we hadn't qualified. It wasn't the one Clough felt he'd missed out yeah. on, no. was it? <laughs> You know, with the odd talented player, the yeah, Brady being the obvious example, like whatever, but we'd not even come close, I don't think, yeah. to qualifying for things. It's funny to even talk about Jack Cholton being English because I grew up thinking he was Irish. Like, God, young really? kid. he was so yeah. synonymous with Ireland and the Irish team. Wow. That it was only until I was a bit older and I realised, you know, we're talking about 12, 13, that he'd played in 66 and was actually English. Yes. But the flat cap, the name Jack, everything just flat seemed to be. Aren't, aren't, flat cap for us is northern. northern. Yeah, that's English. northern. Yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, well, yeah. I would have thought yeah. it's like you're the quiet well, man. Well, that's why you think it's Irish because of Jack Charlton. Well, but you'd ever, had you heard him speak? <laughs> Well, it was you couldn't really. I couldn't assign that accent to anywhere. So I assumed it was some thick Irish accent from somewhere. Wow, he was the most foreign thing we'd ever. Heard. <laughs> so did you get on board, or was he, did it take? Was he having like you know, like Steve took, Bruce at Newcastle? Yeah, it, it took a while. Yeah, I think there was there was an element to which people didn't really think this was um, the right thing. The thing that was always held against for a long time was that oh, he could have got more out of the players he had, but he, he was he was slavish in his this yeah. structure we were playing. That wasn't nobody felt. I think at the very very start it sort of the qualification sort of muddled along it wasn't a yeah. thing and it required Scotland I remember to um, get a very good result against Bulgaria is this 88? yes is it yeah, for 88 yeah. yeah exactly so we came in yeah. in time for, for, for that qualifying uh, qualification campaign we, we, we think of for eight teams from Europe to qualify yeah for that's finals. mad isn't ludicrous, it ludicrous like whatever you'd never do it now and we really one from each group and that's it you're out like whatever. yeah and it required a helping hand from Scotland in an away match there yeah. for us for for us to get Didn't he go fishing rather than watch the qualification? Is that was that the one? Yeah, yeah. it's because it was one of those weird ones which doesn't happen anymore. Where Ireland had played all of their games yes. going yeah, into yeah. it, so they needed Scotland to beat Bulgaria. And Jack Charlton was like, "Well, there's nothing I can do. I'm just going to go fishing." And this I mean, a- the, the match was at night as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know people do fish at night, and you know, but it seems to be willfully. That like feels it. like you've been caught disposing of a body. <laughs> Always <laughs> looks really nice. We're taking that rolled up something. carpet over the lake. Yeah. <laughs> Bait. Um, Dar, everyone's got a good Jack Charlton story. Have you ever? Have you heard? Heard? Anything? Oh my God! Uh, no, you met him. No, I never. I never met him. I never met him in, in the time. There's one run. story I've heard, and maybe you could shed some light on it. And there was that Jack Charlton obviously spent a lot of time in Irish pubs, and he would only pay by check. Because he knew the landlord wouldn't cash it in. They would frame it and put it behind the bar. And that there's pubs all over Ireland with a cheque from Jack Charlton framed behind the bar. I wondered if you'd ever seen one. I haven't seen one and I'm not sure if that's... It's a great idea, but I'm sure there's an element of like, ha, 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 that's very funny, but um, also... You know, like you've been really, as we say now, in Flahulak, which is the Irish for generous, with the whole, oh, the drinks are on me, but really, I think you're taking a lot. You know, uh, so uh, I don't know if that's the thing. But what you do, you'd photocopy the cheque. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the thing. It's a nice idea. They, yeah. uh, because he certainly could, by the end of it, he certainly could actually, he could bask in generosity from Irish people. So he was an Englishman that got accepted. Did you care about the other players, the, the Andy Townsends, the Oh, God, Tony no. Kessler? No, we were, there was no point at which we, in any way, were like, oh, I'm not sure this is Irish enough, this team. I don't think, you know, but the, I don't think I can fully enjoy this <laughs> While a question mark resides over Andy Townsend. Oh, Andy's ruining it for me. Tony Cascarino, by the way, as we know, the great thing about Tony Cascarino was, turns out, no Irish connection no whatsoever. Irish connection. It's fabulous. I have occasion contact with him on Twitter, like whatever. Great guy. Sounds like a fantastic guy. Zero Irishness at all. Was adopted as well. He was adopted, yeah. yeah. So there's a story, right, halfway through his Irish career, he discovered he wasn't Irish and uh, Andy Townsend said, just keep it under your hand. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you fuck the boat? 
<laughs> in the situation. They'll all come out in the wash. So no, we, we had no problem with that whatsoever. I mean, there's people yeah. who got very kind of po-faced about the whole thing, but actually no at all. And, and I would like to portray that as a, a general Irish, you know, openness in our, and evolving yeah. as a nation and welcoming to, you know, and, and willing to put aside like the dark burden of history uh, as long as it bolstered our midfield. He was just, nobody, was like, nobody <laughs> thought to troll. And also we're very good at using our diaspora and in, in, and embracing our diaspora. The, uh, and this one, yeah. uh, the, the first really like, oh yeah, yeah, grand. Okay, this is the upside to this. We've just lain sleeper agents all over the world. <laughs> uh, and we can now call them in. Anzi Townsend is the absolute. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I knew there was a lot of English players in the Irish team, but I didn't realise it was like official policy. There's a quote from Jack Charlton that said, you want me to compete with the best in the world, I've got to have the fucking best in the world. And it's not here in Ireland that I can find it. I've got to go to England to find it. Tony Cascarino. Tony Cascarino. They were it against Kaz. Uh, of all the many, many moments that are particularly yours, 1988 when we got yeah. to it and the first game. Against England. Uh, against England. The uh, Stuttgart, 88. Um, <laughs> that the where, where did you watch this? I was there, of course. Uh, and we all were. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 16. Uh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I watched it in my house. Uh, I got contacted um, uh, by Amy Lawrence uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, to do, say, would you talk to us about 1989? We're doing the documentary about 1989 yeah. and maybe the story about watching it. I was in my front room on my own. I was 17. I wasn't like, you know, oh yeah, I remember we all heard a van and we drove to like, you know, when I was there at Anfield. No, I was just in my house. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, but it was, uh, Brady was injured. Yeah, uh, and Brady couldn't join the squad, uh, and so Brady got hired by ITV as a kind of pitchside reporter. Um, do we think? And they went to Brady before the match, and they saying, "Liam, just a great day, just a great day for Ireland uh, to be, to just to be here, isn't it? Isn't it a great day? Just, just, just to be part of all this lovely like, day. Out. Yeah, that must be. Look at them singing. It must be amazing <laughs> for you. And Brady was fairly." tight-lifted and, and like personally clearly not enjoying the tone of it the, yeah. uh, and then it came back at half time and Brady had this huge grin on his face <laughs> going yes uh, you, now you'd like to talk to me about this like, no. were you sad to be playing were you like oh not England or was I, it like yeah I, I thought no do you know what I, we had no idea because it's years I mean the last time we played them was like, I think we lost a 2-0 in a, in a friendly that Keegan had scored a couple of goals in like about 3-4 years earlier yeah. Uh, yeah we were expected not to do yeah. well and that was kind of in that regard it was a, it was a gamble but you know we were so what are we doing here the, yeah. uh, it, it, it was ridiculous like whatever together Galvin pulling it across a missed kick by Sansom in goes Aldridge and Houghton 1-0 So beating England must have been unbelievable. Astonishing. Like it's, it's just the hugeness of the thing and just the eruption of joy. And like people in cars, me, me, driving yeah. up and down O'Connell Street, like whatever, genuinely we went Latin American on the whole thing. <laughs> and we, we, it was one of those turns where when as the matches progressed, Orty would send out people to interview people who were out while the games were on in a kind of a, what are you doing here? And really? it would be like, Old women walking dogs going. I, I, I'm not. I don't know. And they go, who's out? Like, and they spin cameras around empty, deserted streets. Those yeah. classic. Uh, in those days, the thing was always the surge of electricity at half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cups of tea. <laughs> Cups of tea. That was a real yes. 90s story. Yeah. <laughs> It was astonishing because it was a huge boost. We come from nothing. We were and not, was that team expected to do anything? No, uh, but it wasn't to do that. I mean, it wasn't with our talent. I mean, Ronnie Whelan um, yeah. and people right. like that. Like, the, uh, I mean, and, and Whelan scored one of the goals of the tournament in the next match where he scored a goal against Russia, yes. um, which was an astonishing goal. And then suddenly we had a win and a draw and we're going into the last game against Holland yeah. uh, with a chance of making the semi-final. chance of eliminating Reichard Van Basten. <laughs> uh, as it turns out, we still had to play Reichard Van Basten <laughs> and Holland <laughs> to eliminate but there was something at stake. But it was, it was. It, was, it genuinely was. We thought it was, like whatever. And uh, Vim Kieft scored an incredibly do dodgy enough. It was, it was a very fortunate... I think Cooman had struck the ball. Would a draw ball. have been enough for Ireland? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And would it have been enough for Holland? Uh, no, I think Holland would have gone out because it was oh, the old two why? points for a win system uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you look at the, those groups and it's like, how is that that tight? And it would have been semi-final. would have qualified for the semi-final. Yeah. You're straight into oh. that. Like, whatever. So, yeah, so Vim Keeper with a dodgy, trickled in yeah. kind of a goal. It was a soft goal. Yeah. 
Vouchers. Kuman. Keeft. It's a goal! Rhinus Mikkels seems to be off the hook. And the Dutch, with a bit of good fortune, have scored the goal that may put the Republic of Ireland out. And Wim Keeft, one of the substitutes, got the touch that mattered. And was there a feeling in Ireland, well, that's our international tournament adventure, or did you think, roll on? Oh, no, we're going to win everything now. Uh, <laughs> we are in the top five team. We're the fifth best team in Europe. Uh, and it's going to, uh, it can only get better from here. The, uh, there's a post I'll always remember that summed up the tournament as, because actually, we were on the rack against England for most of the game. We scored yeah. a goal, like whatever, and then anything came out of the whole thing. And it was that we won a game we should have lost, we drew a game we should have won, and we lost a game we should have drawn. Yeah, that was the the yeah. way it was, it was summed up. So we came out evens on the whole. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, but no bullishly into the next um, set of qualifiers because the World Cup because more teams got through. Yeah, more European teams were, were, were involved, uh, and we, which we duly did. This is the level to which you, it became. It, it, the country went bananas for this. The games for some reason Royal were in the afternoon in Lansdowne Road. I don't know why yeah. it was. We always used to play in the afternoon. Yeah, World Cup qualifiers were in the afternoon and on a weekday. Yeah, like on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> really bizarre. I remember bunking off a class to watch us play one of the World Cup qualifiers on a small portable telly in like the computer room of the school. Yeah. But I was like a, like a prefect or a head boy type thing. What the hell was I doing? And also, I didn't get into trouble for it. The, yeah. uh, in, a, in a GA school, a hurling and Gaelic football school, yeah. that I said, no, I, I'm sorry. And, and, and the teacher, who was generally quite fierce, was going, what do you... I said, oh... And he went, all right, go on. Uh, and it was and like... It was, the whole it was country a huge was... obsession. And was bananas. qualification difficult? What was qualification? Oh, my God, I can't remember. And now I think it was relatively straightforward. He went on a five-game winning streak against teams like Spain. Yeah. The sort of system had clicked then. and Yeah, and it really was about the system. It was, it was, it was a fairly... Put him under pressure was the catchphrase. Yeah, because you got a lot of criticism for being like the Wimbledon of international football and actually Jack would always bristle against that and say no no we deliberately don't give these teams time on the ball like yeah, yeah, yeah. get it out front early and then press press hard I think we, press feels like um, the thing that Barcelona do, yeah. uh, <laughs> do. press is our, our term now for what press means where you know you've got Obama Yang kind of chasing yeah. a chat. that wasn't that it was like Kick him, you know, and and it was industrial. And Mick McCarthy in the middle of the fence just shoving people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was a little bit more agricultural, like when it was gone. But yeah, but there was a um, massive disco hit uh, of a the World Cup. I think it was a nineteen ninety song. Uh, was called "Pull Him Under Pressure." Yes, you found this by La- Larry Mullen. I hadn't heard of this. Larry Mullen is obviously the drummer for U two. Yeah, I wondered if we could. Because it, it actually no, 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 it no, no, starts no, no. fantastic. I've never heard this. I'd know. And it's written amazing. by the drummer. We've qualified for the World Cup. Go and compete. So it's got a little bit as well of kind of Jack Jack Charlton's. Uh... That's a song by. That's a song called Jared Doom by Planksteen. It's a legendary Irish rock song. So that's. Just... Oh, so that's a sample. Yeah, it's a sample of, of a of a very famous song, and then just and then... with with sound clips. Yeah. <laughs> rambling along in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so fantastic. But then it's actually it's just bits of other songs all kind yeah. of stuck together, isn't it? And it goes ole 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 at some stage. There, there we, we go. go. <laughs> <laughs> that was everywhere. Was it? Was. Oh God, we live that song. And uh, one thing with the ole ole is that my mother that we adopted ole 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 for some reason we that was our tune. <laughs> So even though clearly, as, as a massive piece of cultural appropriation, uh, it wasn't anything at all. But we sang Ole Ole. To this day, we sing Ole 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 at any event. I was at Prince in 1990, his first ever Irish gig, and people sang Ole 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 during <laughs> Prince's gig. And Prince, who obviously isn't getting what this is in reference to, uh, goes, whose gig is this anyway? Plays a song. Right? The, uh, we did everything. My mother never got it right. And my mother would come in, we, she, and she'd be jumping around the place all excited, and she'd come in after being out at a friend's house to watch the game, and she'd go, Olay, 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 And we'd be, no, you're missing an Olay in the front, and you've got too many in the second bit. Like, so my mother never got that right. The, uh, the other great song of it, there was a version of We Didn't Start the Fire, the Billy Joel, yeah. um, with, with all the names. Yeah, but they changed the lyrics. Where they had, and it was, Steve, don't, like, whatever the Find that'd be amazing if you could find that. But the uh, and it, it was. Wow. 
fabulous, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's a great, it's a great thing. So it's the kind of thing Adam Hills would pitch to end an episode of The Last Leg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then we got it. We gag and then we don't. No, we put that and it, we played in discos in Ireland, and we all knew the words to it, like whatever. The best thing about it was the around about this time. I think that's um, ninety four, actually. Yeah. The because uh, uh, it specifically refers to the fact that we, that we had a bottleneck with Northern Ireland in, in our group, and it was a very tense event occurred in Northern Ireland in ninety four about that. But um, Billy Joel was uh, doing a show in Croke Park, big in Croke Park. Yeah. He was at the height of his fame and Billy Joel came out and and, uh, and was admitted to the gig and Billy Joel said, OK, everybody, I think you know this one. And the beat starts. And then Billy Joel just tilts his guitar forward and goes, Packy Bonner, Johnny <laughs> Amazing. And does the entire Irish version <laughs> of wow. the song. Oh, oh wow. Unfortunately, it's pre camera phone. Nobody oh, has a thing like whatever. But wow. Uh, 50,000 people played the actual, that, that version of his own <laughs> song. It was so there were plays, there were films. It just infested the country with the huge. We've just got an wow. evening with Gary Lineker. Yeah, that's it. Oh, it defined all culture for Ireland. Wow. It, was, it was a huge, huge thing. And it's, it's, look, I wouldn't say it put us, it, you know, it was a reason for the Celtic Tiger, but it was a huge surge of national confidence. Yeah. A massive surge of national confidence. That and the three Eurovisions. Three Eurovisions. Absolutely right. Three Eurovisions were the huge thing. They, they suddenly came and suddenly were yeah. putting ourselves out there in, in, in a huge way, which led to a massive, uh, amount, you know, Celtic Tiger. We all lost the run of ourselves. Uh, party is huge crash. So we've, <laughs> we've gone on quite a journey with it. Yeah. Anyway, so um, 1990. Let's go back to 1990. 1990. Uh, we qualify. We uh, we head off to, to Italy. Uh, like England again. England first again. game. Yeah. That, I, we were much less looking forward to it then. Yeah. Much less looking forward to it, I think, then. Like and it was a... a it was grim a grim game, game wasn't it? Was a it? terrible game. Terrible right? game. One all. It was one all. You were you were leading uh, yeah. Lineker Shind uh, a goal. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and infamously shat himself in the in the game. Yes. Was, it, was that, that game that he shat yeah. himself in? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I didn't, see, I didn't hear it until much later. Really? I think we had our own thing going on. We didn't even <laughs> register this. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's notable for us for Bonner. Uh, the keeper doing a kind of a clenched fist look for God do this now right and then getting the ball and hoofing it down one header on and and, and I've forgotten who scored the goal the uh, Sheedy oh Sheedy got it okay grand so the oh cultured left foot Uh, oh the the many ways in which to right cut his left foot it was in the Sorbonne uh, the books (laughs) the books that have been read by Sheedy's left foot uh, uh, oh it's like his left foot is uh, is a playwright uh, so the many ways in which we talked about his cultured left foot uh, but Sheedy got but it, it all started with, with Bonner basically oh. imploring this do this now yeah. uh, and it went up and we got equalised a huge thing one by Butcher now oh, here's Sheedy Sheedy's won it back and Sheedy shoots oh, and Kevin Sheedy who's enjoying his best period in an Irish shirt has right out of nothing conjured the equaliser one all quite good for both teams in a way. Yeah. With Egypt and then... Oh, Egypt was horrible. Was it Norway in that group as well? Or no, it was it? Holland again. Oh, God, it was Holland again. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was a three-way tie at the end of the group. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, which was a... And it went to a like then, it went lottery, didn't it? Yeah. You drew with Holland and it was a pick of lots, second or third. It was, yeah. That was it. That was yeah. it. Yeah. And they got West Germany. Yeah, and we got, got Romania. 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 Right. Uh, which was... We didn't know, know what to make of that. The, Probably the greatest... Moment in Irish football this possibly, game? Possibly. The first. Where are you watching these? I was doing an exam. Okay. <laughs> Genuinely was doing an exam called the Mature. There's an exam there called the Leaving Service Equipment, the A level. And for some reason at that time, there was a second set of exams called the Matriculation that you would do as a safety net if you didn't. And the Matriculation was kind of the university's own entrance exam. The uh, So most people did it, but you'd already done the main one, which was like the A level. So you do a set of exams and then you do another set of exams. And they're in a much more kind of concentrated burst of exams. So it was, I think, an English paper that was on that day. And it started at three, uh, three till five, let's say three to five thirty. The game started at five. Um, you, the people who left, you're going. Ah, look at you, you know, you're 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 gambling your future uh, <laughs> on, on this game, right? Uh, so I stuck it out, uh, and then and then went home. 
and, and arrive back. So I don't know what happened. First, nothing happened in the first um, forty-five minutes there. I think it was, I think it was a very it was a very quiet game. Yeah. So I got home in good time for the like. I mean, it all narrows down to the penalty. The penalty shooter, Timofte, um and his brave efforts to save. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and Daniel Timofte. and the ludicrous of it being. Um, I don't know who Bonner saved from. Bonner it was their fifth penalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was all. It was like we. It was immaculate until then. Then Bonner saves it. Yeah. There's a weird jumping up thing, uh, yeah, which we've seen a million times. Yeah. And then David O'Leary walks out. David yeah. O'Leary. How does the, that feel? That this is what? Uh, <laughs> and, like, and I don't know who who else is or why. I think because Jack couldn't watch. Jack famously yeah. in, in, in ten situations looked away. Um, he did against for the entire England game. Could hardly watch it. The, uh, it was really? famously famously just had this look of there's a. The, Camera caught him when Ireland had scored, just rubbing his brow and ate. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, <laughs> he said, okay. He but, said afterwards that he was shocked that David O'Leary stepped up, which yeah. means that he had no, no input control. into the penalty. Yeah. He was wow. taking a penalty. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Apparently, also, he asked a fan for a cigarette. Really? <laughs> well, he would have gotten <laughs> as well, you know, and more. So, Jack Charlton can't watch. O'Leary steps up. Yeah, we're, none of us are, are really watching the stage. It's, uh, it was t- so insane uh, and intense. And then. O'Leary steps up and it's beautiful. It was a, it was a really, it was a gorgeous penalty. It was like top yeah. order. Well, you kind of think he's still a footballer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's that thing where, you know, like when a team brings on a sub goalie and people will be like, well, that's. You know, like, like when Liverpool had to play Adrian for three months and people are like, he's still a top level footballer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The margins. Yeah. Margins are so tight. Margins. <laughs> the, but I don't remember ever hit, kicking a dead ball in, in these 693 yeah. matches for Arsenal. I don't remember him, him kicking a dead ball in his life. 31st time. I just sat there and I started to smoke again. I hadn't smoked for about two years. And there's a guy there smoking a fag. And I said, well, give it a tab. And he looked up and he went, ah. He passed one through the thing and give me the matches now. And I lit a cig and I stood and watched the, the, the penalty shootout. Yes. And Ray Houghton can step forward. Yes. Andy Townsend against Silvio Lo. Ah, yes. Cascarino against this fella. Oh, yes. We can breathe again. Now, Romania's second substitute, Daniel Timote. Dynamo Bucharest to step forward. I couldn't believe it when David O'Leary went to take the penalty. I just couldn't believe it. I thought, no, come on. The nation holds its breath. Yes! Was that summer the most unbelievable yeah, as an Ireland yeah, fan? Yeah, because there was no downside to it. The latter one, four years later, when it all happened again, was in many ways we were lucky and there wasn't really a, that many great performances in that one. Um, whereas this one all the way to the quarterfinal yeah. uh, was just insane. And then in the, in the Olympic Stadium in Rome, yeah. um, you know, like and, and like you get knocked up to Scalacci, you're kind of going yeah. around. I mean, because like, if we'd gotten through that, which is never going to happen, it was like Maradona in Napoli. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, no, no, that's not, we're not in that game. Knocking out the hosts as well would be, yeah. a, suddenly oh. you're not the, uh, the yeah. plucky underdogs, no, you're the people no, that no. ruin the party. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's amazing you got to the quarterfinals without winning a single game in open play. Yeah, I know, it's amazing, but it happens, so, you know, take that asterisk out of your head. <laughs> so so then, because yeah, you'd, you'd, when did England get knocked out of that? Like, you, semi, that semi. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, you had your own, yeah. Which is one better. It is, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And God knows you never mention it. <laughs> so we, had, we all had our thing. We all had our thing in, the, in, the, in that summer. It's uh, a great summer. Yeah. I, I, for the life of me, I, I, I then moved into, disappeared into university in the 90s. Uh, yeah. And entire things happened for five years that I missed. Yeah. Uh, including Take That and Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> and like huge things because yeah. they, they just didn't intrude on the campus I was on. Yeah. Um, 
But the football we 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 kept so, up with. I don't remember what happened in '92 though. I don't remember why. It was. No, I don't know why what happened. Well, we can't move too far away from Italian '90 without the following that Jack Charlton said to the team: "If you get to the quarterfinal of the World Cup, I'll get you an audience with the Pope." <gasps> oh yes, yeah, and. Yeah. The story goes that Jack Charlton thought it was like a 30-seater. You'll come in, yeah. meet the Pope. It would just be the squad and the Pope. Just be the squad oh, really? and the Pope. And it turned out that actually is like a 7,000-seater venue. Oh, really? <laughs> but the, isn't there a photo of them with the yeah, Pope? Yeah, all, they all yeah. really well, got well, close it, to the Pope. Right? Well, they, yeah. they, the Irish team end up on stage, obviously, yes. the size of the stage. So they're really, really close. But the story apparently is that Pope comes out, does his sort of thing in Latin. Yeah. And because of all the different nationalities are there, someone comes out, repeats it. This 20-minute sermon in Portugal. Portuguese, then in Spanish, oh, then yeah, in... Yeah, okay. So three hours in, Jack Charlton's fallen asleep. <laughs> and he's sort of feet away from the Pope, asleep. And he, he wakes up, or he's woken up by someone, as the Pope stands up to say goodbye. And Jack Charlton thinks he's waving at him. So he stands up and, and waves at the Pope as if he's being personally <laughs> greeted. That feels apocryphal to me. <laughs> yeah. Print the, I mean, the legend. Our, our memory in terms of the image we thought was that it was the Pope was very, you know, yeah. shaky hands with the Irish team and all that. They're all in their, like, tracksuits, track in my memory. Yeah, they're yeah. in the green yeah. tracksuits. They've all worn their green yeah. tracksuits. <laughs> like, I mean, for all that Ireland is traditionally a very Catholic country, I can't imagine there were avid mass-goers, uh, you know, Kaz and Teddy <laughs> yeah. people like, were big, you know, oh, thank heavens, finally our spiritual father. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So then you get to USA 94. USA 94, which was, again, we qualified and, and I can't remember the exact mechanism by which we qualified. Was it close? Or was it... it came down to the last qualifying fixtures because you had, that's when you were in Northern Ireland's group, I believe. Oh, sorry, yeah. And, and, and you beat them tense, it was incredibly one nil, yeah, in, away. Away. Yeah. We went up to Windsor Park and it was a night where the Irish government was falling or was potentially of danger of there being a vote of no confidence in the Irish government. Right. So we were bouncing between the fact that the country is on a state of, ch- uh, of chassis, as we say, was going, to, going into chaos, and at the same time, this huge match is happening in Windsor Park. And it would be fair to say that, I don't know where Northern Irish football is now, but Northern Irish football at that time, towards the later stage of the Billy Bingham era, was very much one community rather than the other. Right. Uh, yeah. And so it wasn't like, oh, this is nice, the yeah. two of us <laughs> having a game. This is great. Ah, you know what? Whoever wins, we'll, we'll be delighted to see you there yeah. anyway. We'll all cheer you on. <laughs> it was very much, it was a loyalist crowd at yeah. that, and it was an unpopular um, and, it was, and it was a lo- it was a lovely And was it a kind of who wins goes there kind of I think there was a touch of that about yeah. it yeah. or certainly we needed to win yes. yeah. just to go there Yeah I think yeah. the three I think it was Holland possibly Denmark or Spain and Denmark but the three yeah, of you Spain, depending Denmark, on the variation right. of results yeah. two of oh. the three were going through but you needed to win based on the other results. Yeah, it's like, I, I, do you know who scored that goal? Uh, McLaughlin. McLaughlin! Alan McLaughlin. Alan McLaughlin. Yeah. That was it for Alan McLaughlin. That was, that was the biggest contribution he made. Like the, uh, to be honest, he was, I'm sure he was in the squad, the thing, but he wasn't He wasn't a regular starter as far as I remember. But it was an absolutely gorgeous chip. Um, um, that, goes that sounds like, so that was a tense old night. Unbelievably tense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. really, you know. Awkward, you know. Yeah. At the height of the awkwardness. Because yeah, <laughs> it was pre-ceasefire, pre, yeah. you know, kind of new era in Northern Ireland. Like yeah, yeah. It was, very, it was very, very tense. And it, it, the team had just gotten very, the Northern Irish team had, had very much become more about what that one community rather than the other. Yeah. Uh, loyalist and was the Irish team that, did it feel like the end of a kind of cycle a bit? Because when you said USA didn't feel as glorious, in my mind, I didn't realise that that wasn't, as glorious as Italy, if you know what I mean. Do you know what? Uh, probably because even though we had the amazing victory against I- Italy in the first game, yeah. They uh, then there was a grim match against Norway, I think, where it was like yeah. a nil-nil, and it was it was his system meeting someone else's identical yeah. system. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're like we're all basking in a giant stadium and Houghton scoring the goal, like whatever. And the famously slow to start Italians, we were the ones who happened to get the result against them at that yeah. point. And then there was a third game in that thing. Oh no! So it was Mexico second, and then Norway. So you oh, lost- see. Sorry, you, the, yeah. you lost your second game to we Mexico. We lost to Mexico. And Mexico was heat and it's probably famous for John Aldridge. John yeah. Aldridge uh, they, lost they, it. He lost it. And, and the guy wouldn't put him on and they had those kind of dome things that they were always pointing around at the, the, you know, that you're catching and you're catching words from Aldridge uh, on microphones <laughs> that he didn't need. He was like the Peter Reid uh, on the situation. <laughs> like whatever. So he, you could see him screaming at the fourth official yeah. to get him on. It was know. a bleaker tournament. Wasn't it was it? a bleaker tournament. I was in the midst of a breakup 
with somebody. I remember that. I didn't add to the joy of it. I was in a kind of an awkward situation where I was uh, staying with Having somebody. Having your own John Aldridge moments. I really was like, why? Why would you let me? Come on. Uh, and, and so it was all a bit, you know, and, and then what we qualified for was a, a game against Holland. And so we had hopes and, yeah. and they just, you know, they were, they were significantly better. And then Bonner... Um, fumbled a ball into the net for 2-0 and it just seemed to end ignominiously and yeah. yeah so all the joy of the previous one and that was kind of the end of the 90s for the Ireland football to team, a certain right? extent yeah yeah. when yeah. Big Jack left did that feel like was it sad that he went or had his time elapsed I, th- I think it had and I think he'd brought that team through uh, and it had it had peaked and I think people had become wise to that form of play as they had with Norway yeah. and as they had with other countries that were using their resource I don't think that when smaller countries uh, achieve success now they're doing it in that way anymore yeah. that they're, they're, they're we're going to have some incredibly rigid Wimbledon nobody's doing Wimbledon in, in, the, in no. the league anymore so, it's, the, uh, so I, I, I don't think it was going to run anymore I yeah, think, I think if people found the measure of us, and then Mick McCarthy came in. But well, before you get into that, I just feel like Jack's looking back on his time with Ireland. He said, "I can't remember losing with Ireland. All I can recall are victories, celebrations, and getting the right results against all the odds." And I thought that was a lovely way to sum up his time. It or, was. Maybe you know, just can't remember it. Maybe can't. <laughs> uh, and you know, uh, and and what a, what a delightful state to be in because it was. <laughs> let's face it, the the account is 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 incredible. What he did was it was incredible in terms of we had nothing beforehand. And then we we three out of four tournaments qualified, a quarter final of the World Cup, like whatever, That's and rare, some scalps, you know, like whatever. And each tournament yeah. got something out of it. Like the, yeah, so. did you feel like because in. Britain, we'd watched that, and Ireland were very much, they were a loved team. And they seemed like, it seemed like they were what, the popular underdog mm. team for like six years across the globe. Yeah, that, yeah. And not, not I don't mean that in a patronising yeah, way, yeah. but in a genuinely, talking. there was like, the Irish, because particularly at the time, our fans were considered like, similar to what they're considered now, but worse. Yeah, and yeah. Ireland was considered this country that was having this party at these tournaments. Did that feel like that in Ireland? Yeah, we were deeply aware of the contrast between ourselves and yourselves. Yeah, uh, in terms of uh, how we're represented at international sporting events and generally. I mean, it's yeah. become almost cartoonish now um, with respect to the Irish football fans. It's like a game. How incredibly charming can we be? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, I mean, it's got, it's like an Instagram thing of, of how much adorable footage can there be of Irish fans on trains lullabying children to sleep <laughs> or helping old people start cars or all these things that we have now. Because because this is they started this this the whatever you know, green army whatever started this yeah. this thing at, at that time of being by contrast with yourselves um incredibly you know friendly and effusive and we just here for the drinking and singing and and that's great yeah. and it, these things are self-fulfilling these profit you know yeah. these, these national traits i don't think there's any innate reason for it like whatever um because booze is booze and, you know, yeah. crowds are crowds, like whatever. But we have this reputation. We know we have it and we enjoy this reputation. Yeah. So that's a fun thing to live up to. Yeah. So you'll see at the whatever the last one was, like whatever the... Um, four Fox. years ago, yeah. In fact, the, uh, it was nothing but, um, you know, we were serenading the police. The police were serenading us back <laughs> and it's all very funny <laughs> as grand. And it is like, how much fun can we have with yeah. this? We received an award. We, like I was there, we uh, Irish fans received an award from the town they're based in in Poland at the previous <laughs> tournament. For being the best fans ever, right? And so we are. You can tickle our tummy uh, yeah, by uh, telling us, you're the, you're the best. You're the best fans in the world. We are. Aren't we the best? Aren't we the best fans in the world? Like, whatever. And we're very happy to live up. And that all came from this 90s thing. That was the first time we, we, like, we kind of saw ourselves on the, the world stage and really liked that impression of ourselves. Yeah. yeah it's great. And that just became the self fulfilling thing. We very much feel ourselves to be ambassadors. And we do it at all times. I mean, every Irish person, every word I say on the television over here, I am aware that there's an Irish audience aware of this and, and so I, I just naturally I don't run the country down out of yeah. context or anything whatever you, we just do this we're very aware small country uh, every piece of representation counts uh, and we're, we we like to present ourselves well they, yeah. uh, certain things and that can be that can drift into sort of corny Guinness hats and stuff like that as well. yeah. okay, we, I, I, accept, I accept that there are parts of it I find oh <laughs> but the general vibe is 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 a much happier one than you yeah. had particularly yeah. at the time well I guess the idea that you know the Ireland going to tournaments abroad is a bit of a jolly kind of transferred to the team according to Roy Keane and that 
all okay, came well, to a head. Yes, well, there is a whole God of Saipan thing. Uh, <laughs> really, I mean, really, it's, how, it's how blown up to mythical proportions. Yeah. Now, there was a musical uh, yeah. written by Arthur Matthews. Keen, 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 the musical, yep. Tagline, yeah, right, so, yep. tagline, he came, he saw, he went home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Ole Oleers? <laughs> That was a famous thing where he said, uh, where he was interviewed, what about the fans? What about the fans? Uh, and uh, he, Kino was always unhappy with the whole thing, like whatever. He said he was he's standing in the in the airport departures lounge on the way to a tournament, standing next to a guy dressed as a pint or a leprechaun <laughs> or something. And he just going, what the fuck? <laughs> So Keno had come from a very slick operation in Manchester and it was like, damn, this is how we do it. We bam, bam, we do it. And then into this mad jolly should be all grand. You guys at the back of the plane kind of a thing, like whatever. And there are valid points where he did, but I, I, I in the sense that it's a, it's, it's a civil war in Ireland, that. This, what happened in Saipan split the country. Really? Did it? Yeah, hugely. 2002 uh, in Japan, our training camp was in like it was poorly chosen, but I mean, you know, they and there weren't no balls. It was hard ground. It was it wasn't the right place to be in, like whatever. And he just thought there was a, it was the wrong attitude. And then he couldn't didn't go with Mick anyway. He'd you know single handedly dragged the team to qualification, all that kind of stuff. And then it erupted, and and just the blow by blows of us. There are you know books written about it. And then the evening before, and then Quinner went into his room <laughs> and tried to calm things down. And whether or not he said you're just an English cunt, and then him going no, what right. <laughs> Why would I say that? I live in England. Why would I say that? And then coming home and walk the dog. Oh, that walking dog. Walking the dog. <laughs> but, the, uh, but in Ireland, it was as big a thing as you can imagine. The, uh, and you were, either, you were either one side or the other in the whole thing. Either you were the pragmatism of one thing or the pragmatism of the next. Either you believe that there was that those those standards are worth observing, and he's right to have done this, or you go and listen. But actually, he scuppered his. And and I tended to mix side on this, and partly because as a kids' TV presenter in Ireland, we had brought kids out to our training camp, and I'd met Mick McCarthy, and he's a lovely man. He's a genuinely delightful man, like whatever. He's really really friendly. He's really great with the kids and all the kind of stuff, like whatever. And he always kind of had a soft spot for him because of that, like whatever. But also, you know, it's not going to be matches around, but it was a one chance to. To, yeah. to do this like whatever and you know oh. and also he do, you know he done ad campaigns dressed as a samurai and stuff like that like whatever he's not entirely without you know. <laughs> yeah. well like his, his uh, Keane's complaints were that the players flew economy while all the kind of top brass yeah, and the administrators were in business the pre-match food was cheese sandwiches and pizza um, when they flew to the World Cup in 2002 the kit and equipment and footballs didn't make it with them so they turned up there was nothing there and obviously the pitch was like a car park yeah, with loose yeah. stones kind of injuries the thing is, I, have no, I have no problem that there were, there were perfectly valid complaints that he made like whatever but the, then it just accelerated by his like sh- shark eyes um, kind of uh, I'm not backing down on this uh, kind I, th- of a thing. I think it's, it's that thing we've all been in situations where you go this is not ideal yeah 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 but you, I'm sure me and you have got to theatres and gone, this is awful. But I don't I don't walk off. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I think this is my opportunity that... to play Scunthorpe. <laughs> <laughs> Scunthorpe was very nice. But, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's a very strong-willed... I mean, obviously, he's one of the most strong-willed men that's ever lived. Yeah, I know, but yeah. it's mad. It's a... uh, look, yeah, he is uncompromising. It has drifted into... Often into rudeness now, and often into yeah. uh, a, like a, an unnecessary belligerence and a belief that his stance on things is somehow the purer stance on all yeah. these things, like whatever. And like he's got into, he said things recently about people which just, which aired and said, "Actually, you're just being you're just being rude now." I mean, yeah. like he, there was a massive. Did he listen to the show? Um, <laughs> There was a point where we where we qualified on what was our worst ever tournament, which is the um, Tony one. Yeah, exactly. And we got beaten four 0 by Spain, uh, um, and it was a terrible game. But then the Irish started singing, and there was this moment of of five minutes of the fields of Athenry where it was clear that the entire stadium was Irish, uh, and the fields of Athenry rang out for five minutes, and commentators around the world just shut up and go well, this is this is actually quite and I remember watching that game and going we're not going to do well here but Jesus there's tons of Irish here we're going to that's somewhere we're going to own this in some way just support of this because yeah. it was the high point of the thing and I, I remember thinking something's, something like that's going to happen we're going to sing something or something there's going to be a noise moment of some sort of like and they started singing the Fields of Atten Roy in a huge way And it came back in, on ITV to to Keane and he said, well, that's wrong because the team weren't good and they don't deserve support, blah, 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 blah. And you're going, you have 
totally misjudged this. This is yeah. 4,000 Irish people who are in the throes of the worst recession. They've had a hammering because of this. And this is their one chance to express themselves in a, in a proud way of being Irish and they're going to grab that and they're going to sing. It was so much more yeah. than some bloody... We knew the match was over, for God's sake, like whatever. And at some point, it was it just isn't about the match anymore. Yeah. Roy, and I'm sorry. And he just looked massively out of step with what was going on, actually happening. Yeah. Like whatever. And it was really clumsy. And I was watching it angry that no one was going... You know, you've, you've like, no one is thinking about this now, Roy. Yeah. It's grand. It's done. That's done. But actually, this is a big deal for Irish people to be able to just, just own a room. In many ways, he is the antithesis of what you said Irish supporters represent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is like 180 degrees but, well, from was, the reputation of the Irish supporters. I reread his autobiography last night just to get on top of what actually happened. And it turns out, he says in the book that on the way out to Saipan, he watched Ali, the Will Smith film. And he was inspired by uh, the story of Ali not going to Vietnam and, and like sticking to his principles and turning down the draft. And he was like, wow, that really inspired him. And then after the incident, he went flew home on BA and watched 40 Towers. And I thought, <laughs> if only he had watched them the other way around. <laughs> oh he would have seen ways. this hotel in Torquay in total disarray <laughs> and think, well, this kind of thing happens all the time. Oh, if he just, it's just in flight entertainment. It's amazing way. The great Sliding doors in, moment. Great moments in history come down to. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. It was a wonderful period for Irish football. It was. It was an incredible period and an incredible period for Ireland. We ask this of every guest, um, usually footballers, but we ask it for fans as well. If you could go back to 1990, January the 1st, and live. That period again, would you do it? What, like when I was 18? Yeah. If I could live as an 18 year old. Uh, <laughs> and I see, like, while I'm getting there, yes, I know you're, you're requesting about sport, but. Actually, would the punishment of being an 18 year old that you know has their heart broken at the age of 22? Uh, would that, no, no, would no, it be no, enough? No, there was other heartbreaks before that, actually. But uh, <laughs> but at 18, it was it was first girlfriend time. Uh, and the exams would have been, you know, because it's right in the uh, middle of yeah. the big build of the exams or whatever, that would have been tough. Would it's, you do all the exams again? to experience Italian yeah Arctic. you know um, yeah but because I'd also then have that first girlfriend again uh, <laughs> and, uh, that well, I, I, you know wouldn't you yeah of course you would yeah <laughs> look at me what I, what I wouldn't give to be 18 again if I knew do I know now what I knew then oh no all the way around uh, would I know then what I know now would I well that's yeah it, it becomes a bit of a problematic question at that point it's, and now it's becoming like a weird Terminator thing am, am I going back <laughs> Pull the arm to kill the past me uh, and then go and do that. To again. warn Mick McCarthy about the travel arrangements to save that. I would have left the exam earlier. Do you know what I would have done, probably? I didn't start drinking until I was 20. I probably would have eased up on that. I probably would have had a. I probably would have started drinking, so at least I could go out and enjoy yeah, the games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. We've all uh, got our regrets. Yeah. Thanks. There's a line from Aikino the musical that I thought might make a nice kind of ending, a nice little okay. footnote to Irish football in the period we've discussed. Kino, typical. If you fail to plan, then you're planning to fail. Packy Bonnerus. But if you plan to fail and you do fail, then surely you have succeeded. <laughs> Daro Brain, thank you so a much. He doesn't stop arguing, all will be sent off before he gets on. Fucking cheat! That was Dara Bryn. Oh, wow. Ireland, what a country, what a footballing time. It was amazing. When you kind of are researching that and then you're talking about it, you're like, we get nostalgic for the 90s as England fans, but imagine if it was the greatest period in your country's history as a football team. Yeah. I vividly remember supporting Ireland, really. Well, particularly in the USA 94 when we're, England weren't there. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I've never felt an affinity with, say, Wales or Scotland in the same way. Do you think that was because of Jack Charlton and, obviously, quite a few English players? Or There was a real mythologising of those Irish support. Was it not mythologising, but, like, kind of... It was a really big kind of thing that Ireland were the underdogs and they were over there. Whereas Scotland at the time... It felt like Scotland got to everything and just went out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Wales and think, weren't there. And there was a period where Scotland had been good, maybe. In yeah. The days, whereas Ireland, they were just like... They were a bit like, like Iceland. Chances. Do you remember Iceland yeah. like four years ago? It was a similar situation. Before we go, it's the quiz. Yeah, you know how it works. Chris and Josh face off against each other in a 90s football-based quiz for the right to pick which song plays at the end of the show. It's another round of starting 11, this time with the new rules as requested by listeners, you get an extra life each. The matching question is, of course, Republic of Ireland's 
arguably greatest victory, 1-0 against Italy at USA 94, 18th of June. Chris kicked things off last time. Josh, would you like to go first? Do you know, with this game, I, I said I supported Ireland. I had a real affinity to Italy because of Gazetta Football Italia, so I actually wanted Italy to win. Whoa, whoa. Isn't that wow. awful thing to admit. Didn't say that. God Dara's Ray left. Houghton. Correct. Pagliuca. Correct. Baggio. Which one? <laughs> Steve. Uh, Roberto. Correct. Um, Aldridge. John. No. He was definitely on the bench for another game, wasn't he? Because he was going to be brought on. He came on as a substitute oh, in the night. Does that mean I get you have to play again? Pick again. Um, Packy Bonner. Correct. Um, Paolo Maldini. Correct. McAteer Jason. No. What? He came on as a substitute. Oh, oh God. I remember him being amazing at that World Cup. Uh, Roy Keane. Correct. Um, Phil Babb. He was brilliant at that World Cup. Come on. Correct. Casaragi. Uh, he was a substitute and he was unused. Oh. So Chris loses a life. Josh, over to you. Um, I think uh, Franco Baresi would have played. Correct. Dino Baggio? Correct. Oh, it was obvious on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have we had from the Ireland team? So from the Ireland team, you've had Pat Bonner, Roy Keane, Ray Houghton, Phil Babb, and then substitutes who were used, John Aldridge and Jason McAteer. Oh. Niall Quinn? Incorrect. Oh. Andy Townsend. Correct. Captain Andy Townsend. Dennis Irwin. Correct. Tony Cascarino. He was a substitute. He did not come up. So who's in those teams then? Take us through them. So the rest of the one all by the way, Skull. The rest of the Ireland team: uh, Terry Phelan, Paul McGrath, John Sheridan, Steve Staunton, and Tommy Coyne. Uh, And in Italy, the names you didn't get: Costa Curta, yeah, uh, Tassotti, Albertini, Donadoni, Alberigo Avani. Never heard of him. uh, And Giuseppe Signori. So Josh, you win. Takes it to one all. One all. Song? Would you like to play at the end of the show? I think I'll end. You've got to end with something Irish, haven't you? Put them under. We are Jack Charlton's army. The song of the 1990 World Cup. No, zombie by the Cranberries, please. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, you can get in touch. Uh, hello at quicklykevin.com. Robbie Slater. See you later. Bye. Bye.